We're going to pray some more together this morning, and we're going to stay in Psalms. And, and I want you to keep that song we just sang in mind as we move into Psalm 51. If you're familiar with Psalm 51, you know it's a, it's a prayer of confession. It's a prayer of coming before God and basically admitting your sin, confessing your sin, and admitting your need for God's grace and God's mercy. And as we sang that, and as we, I was thinking about Psalm 139, God searching me sometimes can be uncomfortable because of all that will be found. It's kind of like, uh, <laughs> we needed to start cleaning out our garage. It's like, I don't want to get started because I know it's just going to be way more than I can even see from here, and I can see from here that it's a mess, and so we'll shut that garage door and keep moving. And uh, well, I do that with my heart and my mind with God. God, I know it's a mess, and if you start searching me, what are all you going to find? But the good news is that his mercy is more than whatever he might find in your heart and in your mind. And so I'm going to read uh, not all of Psalm 51, but um, most of it. And I'm going to let it guide us in prayer this morning. Here's what David says in Psalm 51, starting in verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy... Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you... Teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. This might be one of the greatest places of uh, raw, honest prayer before God when it comes to coming face to face with our sin. So as we've prayed for God to search us, as we've sung and rejoiced that his mercy is more than whatever sin you're bringing to the table this morning, I wanna invite you to a time of confession before God, uh, of acknowledging the sin that you've committed in your life, the sins that are ongoing, the things in your life that are separating you from a daily close walk with God. So I'm gonna give you just a minute to pray and then we're gonna pray together and we're gonna keep reading some scripture. As you stay in an attitude of prayer, I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 9. Here's what the Apostle John said. If we confess our sins, he is faithful 
and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So don't fear confession, but you're invited by the one who will advocate for you that though you've sinned, you have a righteous one on your side who stands ready to forgive. Father, confess, say the same thing as. We wanna say the same thing about our sin that you say about our sin. And what you say about our sin is that uh, it is how we have tried to live without you. Romans 1, we've exchanged the glory of the immortal, infinite creator God for the glory of creatures and creation. That we've chosen to love things more than you. We've chosen to live without your wisdom. We've chosen to turn our back on you and rebel just as Adam and Eve did in Genesis 3. And we've done it a million different ways and we've done it every day of our life, God. It is a miracle that you would see it over and over and yet forgive us. And so we this morning bring our sin to you, God. We wanna be a people that doesn't act like we're perfect, but a people that constantly confesses our, our sins and our weaknesses to you. And so God, the sin in my own heart, God, the, the sin of unbelief that I don't believe you're gonna do the things you've promised to do, and so I need to take it into my own hands, God. God, I confess to you this morning sins of uh, impatience and being quick to anger. Would you teach me the grace and mercy that you have towards me and how to have that towards others, God? How to have that towards my kids, my wife, and our home. God, I, I confess the anxiety that I have in my life is often because I don't believe you will do what you said you would do. And I'm constantly worried about what if you don't? And, and like I've gotta have a backup plan. I, I confess that to you today, God. God, we love you. We're thankful that you forgive us. Would you teach us the depths of forgiveness this morning? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we are getting ready to take the Lord's table in just a minute. We ordered this uh, worship gathering intentionally. So we started by saying, God, search us, know us, sitting still before God. Then as God brought things to mind, as he showed us uh, what's in our hearts, we had a time of confession and we brought those things to God, and now uh, we're gonna have a time of, if you're familiar with uh, the liturgy, a time of assurance, assurance of pardon. And we're gonna do that by partaking of the Lord's table together. Then Al always says, this is the Lord's table, it's for him to invite. And when we take communion, the Lord's supper, the Lord's table, whatever you decide to call it, this is a, a reminder of Christ's broken body and his shed blood for you that makes that forgiveness possible. So when God does search you and he convicts you and then you take a step into confession, right in just a minute, we're gonna come and we're gonna take what is supposedly a cracker and some juice 
uh, and we're going to remember the body and the blood of Jesus. And as, as you're thinking about the sin that God's brought to your mind, as you're thinking about the ways you've walked without him, as you're thinking about the anxieties, the weaknesses, the sins, the struggles, you get to come and put in your mouth and take into your body a tangible reminder that Christ gave his all to you to make up everything that you're lacking and to build a bridge between you and God so that you could know him in fellowship forever. And so our service doesn't end with confession because our hope doesn't end with confession. Like we're throwing it up to God, hoping somewhere in the wind God will take it away. No, 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 we, we get to come to the person of Jesus this morning. And as we confess, we get to look to him on the cross and say, it was finished there. It was finished there. And, and there's, a, there's been a clip going around um, on social media among some pastors that I follow uh, of a man named Alistair Begg preaching and it looked like it was years ago maybe 15 years ago 20 years ago and he's preaching and he's talking about uh it's kind of a, a story a, a make-believe story kind of but like hey imagine it, it what what happens when the two thieves are hanging on the cross and jesus is hanging in the middle and, I, and i'm gonna mess this up a little bit but but the punchline's here at the end and i and i'll try to get that right he, he says imagine they get to the, the thief gets to heaven and peter goes you know the the saying is St. Peter standing at the gates. I don't think that's true, but somebody goes, hey, why, why are you getting it? What are you doing here? God goes, what are you, you're here? I didn't, ex I didn't expect you to be here. Your life was pretty terrible. And he's talking about the reasons we get into heaven and how we have all these preconceived notions of being a Christian means I've got to do all these things. And that's great that you said this prayer and got saved, but what did your life look like after that? And he says, what about the thief on the cross? And he gets to heaven and everybody's going, but your life and you did, and you did all... And this thief's going, I don't know. I mean, I was crucified next to the guy. And they're going, but, but, you're li but you never went to church? No, never went to church. But you never, you never tied? No, never tied. You never been to Bible study? I don't even know. What are you, what's the Bible? You never been to synagogue? Never, robbed one once, but I don't know. I mean, no, I've never been to, I don't know. And they finally cornered this guy. And here was the punchline of Alistair Begg. Now, he's like Scottish, British, so he just delivers it so much better than I will. And they finally go, then why are you here? And he says, the man in the middle said I could come. That's it. That's it. The man in the middle said we could come. The man on the middle cross says come. The man on the middle cross, it doesn't matter what you bring, good or bad, but the man in the middle says come. So as he searches you, this is the beauty. You don't have one person searching you and another person over here coddling you saying, it's okay, I forgive you. Like you got one mean parent and one nice parent. That's not the way this works. You have the same person searching you and knowing you and diving into the depths of your heart. And everything he finds there, he brings out into the open so that that same person can die on the cross and say, I know everything I'm dying for. There's nothing that you can hide from me that I won't forgive. That's what we're doing when we take the Lord's table. We're celebrating the sacrifice of the same God who knows us in Psalm 139 and forgives us on the cross and declares it is finished. So just like that thief on the cross in heaven who probably said, I don't know, I don't know any of your lingo, but the man on the middle, in the middle said I could come. 
only hope we got this morning is man on the middle cross said to come. And so in just a minute, we're going to partake of the Lord's table. And when you do, I hope you can take it in faith this morning. And here's what faith is. Faith is not knowledge. You're not putting your faith in Jesus because you know everything about Jesus. You're not putting your faith in the gospel because you understand every facet and tenet of it. I'm not asking you to put your faith in Jesus because you can write me a 20-page paper about why the Bible is the inerrant, inspired word of God. That's not what faith is. Faith is trust. Our culture wants to pit faith against doubt, and that's not true at all. The opposite of faith is unbelief, is a lack of trust. I can doubt things all, I mean, I can have doubts that bolster my faith. So this morning, I'm asking you to take this because you trust the one who really sacrificed you, not because you understand every aspect of it. We can work towards understanding. We can doubt towards faith. But you will never build a knowledge towards faith like, hey, once I get to 80%, then I'm gonna put my faith in Jesus. You'll never get there. Never. There are people who know more than you about scripture who learned it because they don't believe in Jesus. So we come take this in trust this morning that his sacrifice was enough for you. It was enough to get that thief from the cross to God's presence for no other reason than that the man in the middle said he could come and that work of Christ on the cross is enough for every sin that God searched your heart and found just a minute ago when you prayed. His death on the cross was enough for everything that you just confessed a minute ago when we prayed Psalm 51. And we don't stop at his death, though. He is alive now to welcome you with open arms. So we take his body, and when you take the bread to remember his body, you don't think of it as wrapped up and dead in a coffin, buried in a tomb. You think of it the way the disciples saw it, scarred, but alive. And so Al's going to come back up, and we're, well, here's how we're going to take the Lord's table. We're gonna play just some music for just a minute and let everyone come up and take, uh, take the elements and go back and, and have a seat. When you go back and have a seat, don't take it yet, wait. We're gonna take it all together in unison to celebrate that we all are standing on Jesus this morning. So uh, I'll go ahead and come back up and let me pray for us. We're gonna play just a little bit of music and give you all a chance to come up and get it and go have a seat. I'm going to read what Jesus said the first time he took the Lord's table with his disciples. And we're going to celebrate this together. So, Father, thank you for your, in your perfect wisdom, sending your son to die for us, to pay for our sin. Thank you that you knew, you knew when you sent him into death, he'd walk out the other side. And God, I'm thinking about the master plan over thousands of years that you knew the word you were using in Genesis when you said, if you eat that tree, you'll die. And so when sin entered the world, we all experienced death. The only way out of death, you you can't walk out on your own. And God, you knew that. And so you sent Jesus to walk into death to pick us up and carry us out. Jesus, thank you for being willing to do that. The glorious, eternal son of God 
chose to become a man. And Jesus, it just blows my mind, your humility, your patience, your kindness, your grace. So I pray this morning that as we take the Lord's table, as we celebrate your sacrifice, we would celebrate it in faith, in trust, in you, Jesus. So it's in your name that we pray and we take this this morning. Amen.